0: Welcome to Tech Intersect. I'm your host, Tanya Evans, and my life and work exist at the heart of law, business, and technology. Yeah, I've earned a few fancy titles and degrees over the years, but the bottom line is I'm a writer, speaker, teacher, and lifelong learner, and I'm really excited that you've joined me on this journey. So what is Tech Intersect? Well, it's authentic, empowering conversations with really interesting guests who demystify complex topics to prepare you for the future, because your future is now, and it exists where law, business, and tech intersect. Get ready to listen, learn, and leverage. Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Episode 117 of the Tech Intersect Podcast. This is May 31st, 2022, the final day of May and the unofficial beginning of summer in the United States. And speaking of summer, in this episode, I welcome Summer Watson to the show. Summer is a consumer product and marketing veteran, having held founding and executive positions at industry-leading companies, including Air with Pusha T, Playdom, which was acquired by Disney, Tune in Pocket Gems, CS Global, and Volume One with AJ Mitchell, Eddie Benjamin, and Kid Culture. She is an active partner and investor in several consumer music, fintech, data, AI, and gaming companies, and currently serves as president and co founder of one of Fast Company's 2022 10 most innovative media companies, Y Media. And why media is the cultivator of Aku, a character created by former Major League Baseball player turned artist, Micah Johnson, after hearing a young boy ask, can astronauts be black? Micah's answer was not only a resounding yes, but a resounding success. And Aku was released to the world on February 21st of 2021 as an NFT in the form of an animated video. And this animation was chapter one of what is now a 10 chapter series that collectively set the formidable foundation of Aku's world, a.k.a. the Akuverse. And the project topped millions in sales and established and continues to cultivate a rich and robust community and secondary market for sales. Summer's influence and experience undoubtedly has a lot to do with bringing Micah's vision and incredible talent to fruition. I'm a huge fan of the project and the team and the community of which I am a member, and I look forward to sharing this episode with you. Now, before we get started, of course, A quick reminder on digital safety, there are a lot of scammers out there on social media impersonating me and other crypto educators and trailblazers, and I and all of us need your help. Now hear this, I will never slide into your DMs to say peace and blessings or hey, and I would never reach out to solicit your time or your money, like ever. So be careful, make good choices, and Because of all of this, I've actually developed an entire free masterclass about the topic, so, check out secureyourcryptobag.com for more information. That's secureyourcryptobag.com. I have an upcoming masterclass on June 1st. So, go to the website secureyourcryptobag.com. Register, even if you can't participate live, the replay is available for 72 hours after every live presentation. I will continue to do these because I want you to have the information that you need to succeed in Web3 and as a digital citizen to make it a safer place for all. Now that we're clear, please take a moment to follow this podcast and then like, share and comment so that others who would benefit from this content can find it. Okay, it's time to listen, learn and leverage. Let's get started. In this episode of Tech Intersect, I am so very excited to welcome Summer Watson to the show to talk about her amazing work in the NFT and metaverse space. She is a very accomplished consumer product and marketing veteran, an active partner and investor in several consumer music fintech data, AI, and gaming companies, and the president and co-founder of Y Media, a holding company of Aku, who is, which is, I'm not sure, I'm not good at grammar, don't judge me, but a character created by former MLB player turned artist Micah Johnson after hearing a young boy ask, can astronauts be black? Well, we will hear the answer, I suspect I know the answer, but we will hear it. From Summer, we will talk about all of that and more in a moment. But first, Summer, welcome.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me and for giving a platform for, for Aku.
0: Absolutely. It's a pleasure. You know that I'm a super fan, and this is our first time connecting in this way, but I feel connected. We, we know so many of the same people. We've moved kind of in the same circles, and I know how deeply immersed you are in community, and the power of this technology to transform communities. So I wanted to connect with you and, and, and have this conversation. First, I guess the best question is, can astronauts be Black?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I love that question because it actually was something that struck me as a young uh, child as well. I was raised by parents who very much encouraged me to dream and to just break down my dreams into how to get there. And one that came up a lot was uh, astronaut. Um, and so it's, it's very personal and to me, you know, coming up the way I did, I really believe that we are all here to keep the door open for others like us so that that question isn't a question anymore. And that it mm. is truly known that um, Black people, can be anything, and that goes the same for that goes the same for communities around the world and throughout the country. However, you're defined, um, that we all can um, support each other and achieve things that may not be right in front of us, uh, but mm-hmm. we're in a world where we can but put more things in front of each other, and the more that we see things, the easier it is to imagine it.
0: I love that so much because. You know, you have the actual character, but you have the possibilities, which you're really tapping into, of what it means to explore and to dream. Right. And the wonderment of what is possible beyond our immediate surroundings. And so all of that is embodied. And he's just so stinking adorable. So he's so cute. He's got so much. He's got so much
1: swag and confidence. How could you you know, how could you not feel like everything anything's possible for anybody?
0: Yes, love that. Obviously, folks, if you're not familiar with this project, I will drop links in the show notes for you to become familiar. But Summer, let's uh, take a a step back a bit before this moment in time. Talk about your life before creative non-fungible tokens and the the, the metaverse space. Uh, You are very accomplished. There was something that led up to this moment in time. So kind of give us give us the walk up from um, life according to Summer.
1: Yeah, Honestly, I think everything led up to this moment in time, and I think Mm -hmm. we'll find that with a lot of people. It's why it's such a tectonic shift for all of us. Um, For me personally, I've spent uh, most of my career and really started my career early. I'm a a workaholic, so I did uh, get started even as a young child trying to get jobs uh, while I was in school. I was just determined Mm -hmm. to get to work, Uh, but I spent most of my career uh, in traditional entertainment, um, as well as in Silicon Valley tech, and so this became really the perfect melding of everything I've spent time and been passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, I, on top of that, um, had a little detour with law school, and practiced. I law did not know that. So yeah, did, so I it all comes that. together. Okay, <laughs> um, it, it it comes in handy. I'm not the I'm not the internal lawyer or the expert, but I know enough to. <laughs> Uh, spot the issues and raise my hand um, if needed. So most pointedly through college, um, I was studying math and computer science at Stanford during the day. And then would drive to uh, nearly, uh, sometimes over an hour to Oakland uh, to work at an independent record label. Um, In the same building uh, was a group called Quantum, Soul Sides. Let's go. um, DJ Shadow, (laughs) Black Alicious, those folks, uh, and Hieroglyphics.
0: Um, Mm. And
1: my label was ABB Records. We worked with Defari, Dilated People, Foreign Legion, a great group of people. And so I've Mm. always had this this split between the creative and the technology um, and really trying to, to, trying to bridge those two. So it was the perfect place to, to land. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, worked also in uh, traditional in, in fashion. Uh, so the first company I ever started was um, an, an experiential agency for luxury brands and fashion brands mm-hmm. um, and helped launch uh, Tom Ford standalone brand, mm-hmm. uh, both for his beauty line and um sunglass line and then eventually uh our company went on to um help obviously his entry into the fact back into the fashion world after he left mm-hmm. Gucci um and also a bit on the Hollywood side um having spent time with Skybound um on the Walking Dead franchise and bringing trying Huge. to bring that into interactive storytelling um and then Silicon Valley I started with Playdom which was a Facebook game company when I started, pivoted into mobile games, obviously, um, eventually, and uh, were acquired by Disney. Um, Left there after the Disney acquisition uh, to join TuneIn, which is an audio app that lets you listen to live radio streams from Mm -hmm. around the world. Um, and went back into storytelling. Um, so Pocket Gems, an episode, which is a platform for interactive stories for a largely uh, female, young uh, female audience. Um, mm. And there we did both storytelling on our own, uh, but also built a platform for anyone to tell stories. So all together at the time had about 80,000 stories created mm. by the community, uh, but also stories that we penned ourselves and in um, partnership collaboration with, IPs and social media creators like um, Cameron Dallas on the social media side, Mm -hmm. uh, Debbie Lovato on the talent side, and uh, Pitch Perfect and Clueless on the uh, traditional brand side, um, traditional Mm -hmm. entertainment brand side. Um, And right around that time, uh, getting back to the the notion of community and people supporting each other, um, a very good friend who I had Uh, worked with originally at Platum. I was at Platum before I was acquired by Disney and he was at trial pay, which was acquired by Visa. Mm -hmm. Um, Kai Sheffield, who is I imagine also in your circle. Yes. Um, Brought me deep into the depths of Ethereum. Um, I had only been, you know, playing around with Bitcoin up until then he became obsessed. He got me obsessed. (laughs) um, And the rest is history. Truly. Um, It was just such an exciting thing to think about both from a technology perspective of how mm-hmm. to build uh, permissionless systems, but also, you know, it was, it's, it, it was, and it has always been very key for us to think about how it um, makes systematic shifts and on opportunities open for people who look like us, for people who have backgrounds like us, whether that mm-hmm. is gender, race, uh, but also, you know, our, our, our professional backgrounds. Um, and so when he, I got a call from him in late this is now fast forward. So when we first started getting deep on this together, it was 2017, 18. Mm. Got another call from him at the end of 2020. And he said, um, it looks like to me that NFTs are going to have a heyday in the next year or two. Maybe it'll take two years. But I think my thesis is that it will come in through culture and through creative um, and through the arts. And that's how people will understand it. It might actually hit the mainstream. And Summer, I'd love for you to um, consider bringing in some of your network. He knew I was um, very good friends and business partners with Push T at the time, who I'd met while mm. I was at TuneIn. Um, had obviously a network from my early days um, in music and some of these other places that I mentioned to you. Um, and he said, "We got to think about, you know, how how some of these folks can come into the space." Uh, Push and I started um, really strategizing around how he could get uh, more active and, and organically, but also learn along the way. And mm-hmm. that started with, of course, being a collector. Um, and we really wanted to focus on collecting Black art. He had also just bought a new home and was bringing in a lot of really incredible Black artists into his home. And so it mm-hmm. felt like a really natural place um, to be focused for for all the things that we cared about. And so naturally, uh, one of the very first steps was for Kai to introduce us to Micah Johnson. And that's how we landed here.
0: It's such an extraordinary story because in it, I mean, you've covered a lot of landscape, but to your original point, all of those avenues and experiences and relationships led to this moment in time. I've spoken time and time again on this podcast and, and just in, in my everyday life as, as professor and professional speaker that there is no wasted effort. And so your story speaks to that in so many ways that you are having all of these different experiences that come together to prepare you for this moment in time. And Kai, I adore him. And I love that he's so much of a visionary and community builder and nation builder as well. I consider you all Ethereum OGs, because if you're talking about this in 2017, I know first, you know, came into existence in 2014, you had experience with Bitcoin even before that, but to have the vision when there were so many folks focused on kind of like the OG in the space of Bitcoin and the possibility of just, you know, peer-to-peer cash, to transform that into a composable system that, you know, operates like a virtual computer, and that creates all these other opportunities. And, you know, final point to have the the access point to non-fungible tokens and what that means with the use case of creativity and collectibles. I'm an intellectual property lawyer by training. That's was my avenue into it as well. I wasn't entirely sure where I landed on crypto writ large, but to focus on the power and possibility of a decentralized space where you know, creatives of color or women, or I'm a black queer woman, like all of these marginalized communities could really find a place in a space where they can empower themselves with the technology on their own terms. I can imagine that also played into why it was so important to, to leverage the technology, but also to really empower community. You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand
1: That's right. That's exactly right. And I think if we go back to most people in the space, they'll point to a person who brought Mm. them in, right? Um, and I think that's something really special about it and what has made it what it is, especially in those, in the bear markets when Mm. it's very easy to get, give up, you know, and to get discouraged. Um, we've all been through at least one big one by now, and and certainly a bunch of little bumps in the road. And the longer you're in the space, the easier it is to see past those, um, because that is when you really get to hunker down and build with the people around you. And uh, to your earlier point, I a thousand percent agree. It's always for me been about the journey. It's about the right. work. It's about the every day. That is the exciting part. Um, the 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 knowledge that I get to build, the networks that I get to build, um, and I find that the Network that I build is strongest when we've done something together, right? Like mm. you, you, meet a lot of people in passing, um, but the ones that really get sticky for me are when we've experienced something together, or even better when we've built something together. Um, mm. And building doesn't mean that you have to be an entrepreneur. I think there's that word gets used a lot in a way that makes it feel discouraging uh, mm-hmm. if if you don't have the the, the frankly the luxury um, or or even the appetite to be an entrepreneur, right. you're, you're building. You know, wherever you are, whether you're at a huge company and you're building on your project or your day to day, it's mm-hmm. that process of doing something and having an output on the other side that somebody else can interact with. Whether it's an end consumer or it's an internal tool and it's your colleagues um, or it's just yourself, uh, that to me is 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 really magic. And that's where you know community comes in. Um, and that mm-hmm. time at Pocket Gems was. Really, a time for me to to really dive into that that community was just so tight knit and so well defined, mm-hmm. unlike anything I had ever seen up until that point. Um, it had very much been about um, you know starting with a mass audience and starting with an open blue sea and. and you know, throwing things on the wall, whether it was very systematic with performance marketing and analytics um, or by gut with who you thought would, you know, be attracted to a certain collection or product in the real world, Mm -hmm. Um, but coming into a place where this community already existed and they were so tied in and it was very easy to then make product decisions based on who you were serving.
0: um, Mm -hmm. That to
1: me is then, again, what brought me back and what brought me so deeply into crypto. I saw it right away. I saw you can see how, you know, what everyone is driven by and what they're trying to do together, that knowing how to speak to them and build something for them felt very natural. Um, I just went off on a, on a whole tangent. Thing. No,
0: I was about to, I was looking for my tambourine while you were talking. I was like, this is like a, this is a shout <laughs> moment. Absolutely. Because it makes me think of how it's like the classic example with the Aku and Akutar community that it feeds on itself and continues to grow and expand and how, dedicated and focused you are and, and why media, um, the, the Micah, of course, how focused you are on making sure that the community is tended to and well, and that, and in the crypto space, if people don't really feel a part of community and that shared experience, it's DOA anyway, right? And and yep. so some projects talk about it, but the idea people also have a bullshit detector <laughs> a mile away yep. and, and things can go up quickly, and the next day, you never heard of it. So you've stood the test of time, even with bumps along the way. And I, I, when I think about entrepreneurial endeavors, and when I think about quote-unquote startups, and, and you come from Silicon Valley, you know better than I, this idea that, that you are constantly iterating. You're oftentimes building the plane while it's flying, and that's the nature of it. <laughs> Talk about your experiences as you go from this concept to the first, you know, Genesis launch, wildly successful. Transparency, I'm an owner as well. And so I'm completely biased, but want everybody to understand. Talk about literally the, the genesis of this project all the way to where you are now. And the reason that I'm asking, and, and I think you're going to weave it into your answer anyway, is you your project is also one that has bridged the divide between what I will refer to as legacy entertainment and the future of creativity. And not everyone can do that. And it's not even the stated goal of many projects, but these projects don't exist or develop in a vacuum. So the ability to navigate that and cross-pollinate in both worlds, I think is really fascinating and exciting. You all are doing that. So talk us through the arc of that process.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of it goes back to who we are. Um, I say You know one of the things i um say a lot and it was harder to say during covid but um there's there's ways to interpret it for whatever your situation is it's to be outside you know Mm -hmm. it's um i think none of us are um on the team are strictly you know in front of our laptops experiencing life only through that lens um and if you go back to even my original story that's how we met right is kai Mm -hmm. called and said how do we bring culture our culture into this space, um, and one of the first people he introduced me to was somebody who was also known as a physical painter artist um, mm. you know his, his work was also tangible um, and so yeah, if I go back kind of the the actual um, process um, when I uh, first caught sight of Aku, it was visceral. my mm-hmm. reaction was. Um, I didn't, there was no explanation. I didn't need an explanation. Micah hadn't given me an explanation. I saw Aku and immediately put myself into him, not even consciously, right? I already was like, I relate to this kid on so many levels. For me personally, it was, I've spent so much of my career, you heard my journey, where people mm-hmm. don't know how to explain what I do. And that, that, Has never bothered me because for me, it is about the journey. And I know I knew the story of my career. I didn't realize that it would um, intersect right here at this what feels now like my life's work and what it was all building towards. But in my mind, I knew the story and I knew why I made each decision and why I built the things I built and with the people I built it with. And I saw that in Aku. I saw Mm -hmm. you can't put Aku in a box, right? Like as soon as you see him, is it a real kid in the real world with a space helmet? Is it a kid in outer space? With the, why doesn't he have a spacesuit? Like you just can't right. actually. Like what is he? Why does he have a backpack and tennis? Shoes? It just <laughs> you see, and immediately you go, this kid's doing his thing. However, wherever he is, however he's doing, he's doing his thing. Um, and so I think um, I from there, almost every decision that we we make, as much as I love data, I'm obsessed with data, and we use mm. data, we trust our gut and so every point every major decision we've made in this process has come back to our gut Mm -hmm. um and so my initial gut was what is this how do i help micah get this in the world Mm -hmm. Um, and that's how we we started working together um he opened up you know he's super transparent and he said i'm doing it as a drop as a as an nft um i have all these cool assets um to promote it uh and i said i've Talk to you almost every day for the past <laughs> couple months, and never heard of this, uh, and did have no idea you were doing a drop. Um, where are you going to put these assets? I'm going to tweet them out. I'm like, great. Let's, <laughs> let's see if we can <laughs> let's see if we can uh, get a few other people to tweet them out as well. Um, and so that's what it started It was again like gut reaction, right? My gut was also to ask Micah why haven't I heard of this, <laughs> even though we talk every day. Um, and then that first, you know, that first drop. Um, I don't remember if you were part of it, but it was, I think, one of the first um, clubhouse rooms around a drop. Um, It was definitely an epic room. Um, And, you know, we had really galvanized a lot of our friends and family in the existing crypto world, in particular in the black crypto space. Um, And then, of course, brought in people from the crypto curious, but not as deep in crypto yet. Um, space upscale vandal push tee, curtains um, all these all these people that came in and helped amplify it in um, in, in culture circles mm-hmm. and um, and it it just it was bigger than I think we expected um, I remember that that Monday morning afterwards it was just. It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration. Bombarded with inbound um, and uh, sort of, you know, drinking from the faucet on, okay, what's next? I do remember, and I have the group chat, that, you know, even before all that happened, there were things that we were saying about where we imagined this could go, but it felt Mm -hmm. a little, you know, like dream state. And then this all started to happen and felt like, okay, this is real. So how do we put, um, how do we actually keep the, keep it going so that this is no longer a dream, but we can make it a reality. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yeah, a lot of that, you know, Micah um, fielding a lot of just inbound, Uh, finding Aku then in not too long to be the first uh, NFT option for film Um, and then using that um, as a way to get to know even more about what it would be to to create a film and to um, how to uh, use your IP um, in that scenario. And over time, you know, really uh, I had uh, mentioned that I had worked at Pocket Gems and Skybound at both of those, I had worked really closely with um, a production lead who now works with us at Aku, who had spent a lot of time at Art. so I had been very indoctrinated into the notion of this independent, technology-backed IP studio where the creator was able to keep ownership of his IP right. um, for a very, very long time, and you know the decision that he made to sell it to Disney was his, but it was after um, a very long time. Um, and so we had always had a dream, Spiros and I have, um, and, and others in his circle of, of, of recreating that magic. Um, and uh, as uh, I think Micah also on his journey got to, got to learn all the different possibilities of creating mm-hmm. traditional media company and media. Um, IP came to the same conclusion Um, and so again just with our gut and with you know what we um, who we are as people at all at all led to this Um, also pretty early on Micah had mentioned to me that he wanted to do a huge installation at Art Basel and this was maybe you know March or April, yeah. um, you know, one to two months in, and I would say most people, if they were even considering doing something at such a crowded space, would say, "Let's do a little cocktail party at a store." Right. Um, and he said, "No, no, I wanted. To, I, I found a space. Uh, it's thirty thousand square feet, and I want to do it for a few days." Um, <laughs> and <laughs> that's the sort of thing that you know you say that to most people, and they're like, "Okay, that's cute." Like. Good luck.
0: Um, <laughs> now, right about and, our uh, cocktail yeah. party,
1: right? <laughs> right. Um, but you know, we pulled it off, and so again, it was it was looking at who we are, um, what we care about, and um, and just trusting ourselves to execute at the levels that we believe we can. Um, and, and frankly, never being afraid to lose, like never in my mm-hmm. life have I been, been afraid to lose. i I was built up, like I mentioned, with just all the confidence in the world from a really supportive family who just never tells me what I can and can't do. They just, mm-hmm. you know, watch and even when they even when they don't understand like really basic things are when I was working at the record label my mom was super confused and thought I worked at a record store right because she's like (laughs) how are you working at a record label in Oakland while you're in school what are you talking about um so even when they don't quite understand they still are there you know they're telling everybody they know to this day my mom will tell people yeah she worked at one of the best record stores in Oakland Mm.
0: it's not what I
1: did but you know they uh, (laughs) just they're (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they, they're super supportive. And I think Micah has told a similar story um, where, you know, the the game of baseball is, is really about losing. There's so much more losing mm-hmm. than winning. And so you absolutely have to love the process and, and what you're doing um, in order to get there. And so when you do love the process and you trust the process, you trust yourself to execute on that process. And so, you know, everything we've done since then, we just has been about creating that next generation Um, Web3 native media company um, for us by us, you know, like we've got this, this really special character and then we feel a responsibility for as many people as possible to see him. Everybody, we see all sorts of people. I think part of the magic is he has this helmet on. And so we all, you know, we all can put ourselves there. I'm black and Chinese. My mother's Chinese. My dad's black. And Mm. we had a Chinese community really bubble up organically. um, And they're so enthusiastic and so proactive. And it's like when when you hear people talk about what brings them to Aku and why, we all have a very similar story. It's about dreaming. And it's about not listening or letting other people's doubts, frankly, sometimes about themselves, be put onto you, right? Um, (laughs) Right. And and watching, uh, we have um, in our Discord a channel, um, your Aku story. If you go through the history of that, of just how people came to Aku and how mm. he intersects with their personal stories and their lives, honestly, it's some of the most moving stuff I've ever, I've ever read. Um, and there's no way that I can see those things every day and not feel Mm. a deep, deep responsibility to sleep very little and get it all done. And as you (laughs) mentioned, it is just, you know, there's so few times in the world we really get to rethink systems. Um, And, you know, I was brought in, I was attracted to the space thinking about how um, financial systems could be reworked, Um, just even thinking about, you know, the ability to um, use your liquid assets in in ways to get things in, right. in life and that aren't as blocked by your credit or your credit score right. or whether you get a W-2 or a 1099, right? Like all these things that, that can be blockers to us um, that have been blockers to me, especially as an entrepreneur, uh, Absolutely. that, um, that that's what started. Um, and then now in this sort of creative renaissance, even more, I think if you, if I look back, most of my career has been really about supporting huge creatives, um, mm-hmm. and, and helping them, um, build real businesses and, and real ability to live, um, through their art and not have it just be a hobby, that this was just the perfect thing. Right. Um, right. That we can now, rethink what it what it means to get your art in the world out in the world who you put it to and how how they participate themselves right um and it doesn't even have to block out the traditional systems because there is a place for it like at the end of the day when we get this done we still know that there are certain mediums that get mass reach um that others don't right there is a value even to this day i also you know i'm a partner in a music company uh to this day there's a place for radio um, right. um push would say there's a place for radio right and he's seen it with his last album this, this latest album there's mm-hmm. definitely a place for film um and uh, i hope for a very long time still theaters that is a very right. different experience um and those are things that those folks that own those systems they some of those things are very hard to completely decentralize right. in any Time soon, not to say that they never could be, but they are very difficult, um, and those people can participate in these systems as well um, you know at the at the very simplest um, you know there there are products and i and I had an early idea with Kai in fact um, around sort of like a lack of a better word, a stock market for songs right where mm. um, where fans could um, participate in songs as tokens um, mm. and even even as they're played in Spotify right um, but labels could as well they could, uh, rather than take the big upfront cost on, you know, investing it, essentially investing their, you know, often their their bankers at this point um, right. in an unproven artist. Um, they could go and start collecting a catalog um, off of songs that are publicly available in that same way. So there, right. there are ways that everyone can participate in these systems if we're thoughtful. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting to think um, where we could end up in a place where we can still, Have ownership and more importantly, control um, Mm -hmm. over the creative for Aku and how he's leveraged, right? Because there are some things there that are going to be very particular to as much as he can and should relate to everybody. He also will relate to certain people in different ways, right? Like I think about Black Panther and the way that it was for everybody, but there's definitely things in there that were... For us, you know, right. and, and Barack Obama, he's for everybody, but there's definitely every once in a while he does a couple <laughs> things that are, you know, for us. Um, great examples, and, and that, great examples. That, <laughs> and I think that's important. Like, we can't lose ourselves um, in the fight to, to have the platforms that we haven't always had. We shouldn't. Um, and this goes for everybody, right? Coco mm-hmm. is another great example that um, we shouldn't have to erase um, those identities either um, and instead right. bring people into those identities so they can, we can all really individualize each other. It takes more work um, to look at each person as an individual and really get to know them, but it's, it's worth it.
0: We hope you're enjoying this edition of Tech Intersect. Our conversation will continue in a moment, but first, a word on an exciting opportunity. If you've tried to figure out crypto, DeFi and NFTs on your own on YouTube University or Podcast College and all you have to show for it are a lot of questions, but little if any forward progress. I invite you to visit AdvantageEvans.com to get the answers you've been searching for about how to buy, store and trade crypto and NFTs and to access DeFi safely, legally and confidently. Advantage Evans Academy offers everything from full-service VIP onboarding to prof-guided on-demand and cohort-based courses, as well as an engaging, informative, and supportive membership club, AE Explore Live, for as little as just $1 a day. This club is for you if you want to learn from well-respected crypto education experts like me, transform your relationship with money, generate wealth in the new digital cash economy, create digital ownership streams that lead to generational wealth, learn to vet buy store trade earn and sell cryptocurrencies engage in DeFi to lend and leverage your crypto create buy and trade creative and collectible nfts and network with other crypto curious enthusiasts in an inclusive environment you'll gain all of that and more in a wonderful community of like-minded lifelong learners ready to get in and to win if that sounds like you join us Visit AdvantageEvans.com to get immediate access to the resources you need and deserve. That's AdvantageEvans.com. Let's go and let's grow. And now, back to the conversation. On one hand, we're disintermediating the space, but also you have new intermediaries that add value and rather than purely extracting value. What you've described is changing the discussion at the proverbial and actual table. Because if you, you know, we saw it early on when you can have a a TikTok or a YouTube sensation and all of a sudden they have millions of followers. They still need the distribution. So to your point earlier, we have these existing structures of moving from concept to proverbial shelf and, and to consumers or listeners and the like. But it changes the conversation and your power at the table. One, when you bring your own assets to the table. And part of that, and a really important part, obviously, are your intellectual property assets as a matter of copyrights and trademarks. And if people are inventive as well, creating. You know, novel and useful things. And we go into the patent realm as well. And the power of owning your own intellectual property from the beginning and coming in so hot, heavy, and strong that it changes the nature of what those partnerships start to look like. Now legacy systems are just really excited to be put on. Right? It's like, I want to participate. Right, right. We don't really understand what you're talking about, but we see this moving really fast and legal's really slowing us down, but you're moving really fast and okay, you keep yeah. that but just ha- let us have a piece of the action and tokenizing. That is really exciting and that's the empowering part, you know, my lawyer and IP brain focused on in what ways can we completely dismantle this notion of the starving artist when not only are you able to have direct kind of peer-to-peer access to consumers and investors, but you're also being paid in the equivalent of a capital asset, right? Not just money and the possibility of participating in downstream revenues as a matter of a secondary market. One of the other really exciting things about what you all have created is a really robust secondary market and you're really protective of that as well. Can you talk about, I'm I'm looking at the time I could go on forever. I want to respect your time, but (laughs) I really want people to hear this because it is an important part of your community and protecting community and value for your community in the secondary market and how powerful that can be for creatives in the space, particularly those who have been systemically marginalized.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. It's, um, that is the most exciting part and i think a lot of it is what brings a lot of people into the creative side of nfts both as creators and as supporters they the supporters also like the notion that um, the artist can continue to survive off the secondary mm-hmm. participate in the resale of their um, assets going forward um, I think this also this brings um, something really interesting just joining it with your last comment around IP ownership um, mm-hmm. that we can also think about aku as a entity that's right um, in terms of IP that's maybe different from how we might think about akutars and some yes. of what we're already seeing happening orga- organically with akutars and people getting really really creative both visually and in text and on Twitter with fan fiction, it's just incredible. And I wanna encourage that, right? Um, and I think the best way to encourage anything is through incentives. And so we are really thinking um, and plotting pretty hard about what that next phase looks like on the Ocuitars, mm-hmm. um, so that um, the uh, community can participate in the in the commercial rights of, of what they're creating um, there. We might always need to, protect Aku in a different way. He has yeah. a story that's already started to be told in those chapters. And, you know, there is there is something about Aku as the person, but we mm-hmm. have 15,000 Aku-tars, right? And, right? and they, even as they were created, even though they were created through generative art and through, you know, randomization of all of these traits that frankly, we had billions of possibilities of, of combinations. Um, as we created them, we thought a lot about how they could Be parts of stories, right? And so you see themes in there with the food fight. uh, Right. Spaghetti. Right. right, right. (laughs) right? There's like spaghetti, there's PB and J. There's like, I can already (laughs) imagine all the cool stories, right, in the lunchroom for the Akutars. Um, Or the gold drip ones, right? The ones that are just like, dripped out and uh we Mm -hmm. you know i wanted to go much heavier into that space you know judging from (laughs) some of of my friends you know some of the best luxury street rappers uh in the game yes um so you see a lot of those themes there you know there's sports there's professions there's one uh uh, we also then took a a handful and made them like fully composed and not randomized so there's a young Mm -hmm. mica with a baseball bat and there's a surgical Mm -hmm. summer that's my Mm -hmm. handle um that's a that's a doctor and we have a few of those. So we already okay. um were thinking about, you know, what story would look like with these. We didn't want them to just be random things that only live on Twitter. Right. Um and so yeah, there's there's a bunch of interesting there there in store and uh yeah, so when we you know, think about how to keep the crypto distribution channel for uh, the Aku IP um, mm-hmm. active and healthy. That really is around the secondary market, right? Not just in terms of the way people think about it, in terms of the creator, the treasury, the company being able to self-sustain itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously we're just taking a percentage of that. So that's, it's also a healthy um, place for our community to drive value out of the system that they've put in. Um, it, right. If and when they choose to, we do have legendary diamond handers. <laughs> but if <laughs> if and when they need to, you know they can go and get that liquidity. It was also a big part of why we structured the Akutar uh, mechanics in the way we did. Um, over nine thousand of those were um, were uh, given free to existing collectors of the Aku chapters, oh, um, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know almost anywhere that the floor price ends up for for those, hopefully people are seeing that's a value that can come to them whenever they choose. Um, and then of course, we're working tirelessly just to continue to build that value up, not in a short term, like you can flip this thing away. This isn't right. the financial market, right? This is, I'm trying to reframe the conversation as much as I can whenever I'm in front of people that when we talk about, when I talk about driving value back to a community, I'm not using it as code for I'm gonna make you rich quick. Right. For me, the, the financial incentives are the cherry on top, right? I've spent most of my career putting out products, whether it was music or fat or apparel, you know, uh, beauty products or um, mobile apps and games um, Mm. and stories, the biggest value that I've ever been proud of is the moments of joy that come to people from that. And so if we can be delivering products and content that give people moments of joy, whether it's a laugh or a giggle or something shareable or something that inspires them, something that gets them through a tough day, I can't put a price on that. And then on top of that, you can dispose of it if you need or want to at any point, right? That that to me is, again, like the cherry on top. It's not the right. end goal. Um, I think it's just not sustainable to view it as that way. And so when you mentioned earlier that some communities in crypto struggle, I think it is because people come in with that as what connects them. And that is right. such a fragile connection, right? Because you can you can liquidate very quickly. And now all of a sudden someone you thought you were attached to is gone, right? Right. And and or whatever, whatever the reason, even we even saw obviously that transition as we launched Akutars, that there were people who heard about us for the first time when it was on a lot of hype. And I was so proud Mm -hmm. to see not only some of those people be open, to listen, but our community to really lead in and say it doesn't have to be somewhere in Micah preaching this gospel all the time. We are going to show people what we're about. Right. We are going to welcome them in and explain to them how to look at this differently, how they could still make money if they if they want, but right. that 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 there's more here as well if they want. Um, so that's pretty pretty incredible for us um you touched earlier on um how brands come into the space and and sort of more traditional entities which is a whole other conversation that we can um have but there is one uh anecdote that i love just from this past weekend at at vcon i uh, ran into somebody Never seen him before, but he was wearing a marathon. I tweeted about this a little bit vaguely, but he was wearing a marathon clothing um, hoodie, the Nipsey Hustle Crunch hoodie. Um, um, and you know, we're at an NFT event, um, Vcon in Minnesota. It was the last thing I expected, <laughs> so of course right. I had to approach him. And um, and I live in Lambert Park. I live uh, not not far from where uh, Nipsey, um, where the store is, um, yes. was. And uh, so we struck up a conversation, and he said, actually. I had an Akutar um, and I, I ended up selling it because I was actually put off by the big brands that came in. It made me feel wow. like it was too corporate. Um, and so I explained to him um, how these brands came into to the picture and how mm-hmm. organic it was. Um, and it really wasn't like we even as we started talking to some of these folks, we said, hey, this isn't a goal of ours to bring a bunch of brands in. We think the Akutars will do their thing on their own, right? Um, we have a really strong base. Um, we just really want to win with people we love. Um, right? I say I'll, team wins only all the time, um, and that's you know that's what's connected me to push and upscale Vandal all these years. Um, we approach it the same way. Everything we do, like no questions asked. We don't need. Con- we just. Team wins only. What do you need in order to win? What are you doing that I can support, whether it's publicly or privately? Um, And so we said, hey, if we're going to have this moment, which we anticipate having a moment, how do we bring in some of our folks? Um, And in ways that could be exciting and interesting for our Aku folks, right? Like it was all about. And so when I started to tell them some of these stories about how they're really connected, right? All of them, if you look at them, are in some way standing for um, dreaming for mm. doing what seems impossible for doing it your own way. Um, the BBC, uh, mantra is wealth is of the heart of the heart and mind, not the pocket. Um, mm. paper plane obviously is itself is about dreaming. Um, which yeah. is why it was such a natural one to bring into chapter seven candle. Um, as you saw this, this, this airplane being flown around yes. the city. Um, And then on top of that, if you really look at it, um, BBC was founded by Pharrell, who has been Push's best friend since they were, what, 13 years old and obviously a consistent music partner. Um, Paper Planes, founded by... Uh, uh, Jay-Z, z who is also the i 'm going to get the title wrong, but i believe it 's chief creative officer of puma um, mm. and upscale vandal um, helped in the early days of both BBC and uh, paper planes um, launching those as brands um, and is also works with puma um, mm. as uh, as a public um, uh, member of their of their collective that they just um, announced a few weeks ago, but also behind the scenes. He's worked with them um, for years, just as part of the Rock Nation Paper Planes mm-hmm. um, family, Murder Bravado, Ev Bravado, and Who Decides War, one of the most incredible young mm. um, designers ever. I've been obsessed with them for for years. Um, and uh, again, really close personal friend of this whole crew. And, um, and um, when you talk to them, they've had all these incredible opportunities for their brand that they have, um turned down because they understand that they're building a legacy for their son right who they saw in aku you know all of this was organic like no one came in here for cash grab everybody came in and said we just love aku they didn't say we want to get into crypto we want to get into nfts we love aku what he stands for we saw what you did at miami um we saw the chapters we see his story if you look at our launch video nobody makes a mention of nfts um because they're just attracted to aku and that wasn't from direction for us i wasn't even at those shoots i didn't we didn't prep anything for that we just asked them to talk about themselves and um why they were attracted to aku and all of them it's bigger you know, it's it's bigger, um, and so when we when I once I got to to through that whole spiel and and, and even more detail with him um, just because obviously it was a full conversation, mm. he uh, went and reentered the Apu-tar, uh <laughs> universe immediately, and then yesterday he texted me a video of him onboarding another friend. That's how nice. it works, you know. It just speaks <laughs> to people um, in a different way, uh, and it's it's we're just we're I'm just floored that I get to do this every day.
0: I think that's amazing. I, I remember seeing those Puma um, akutars that I thought were absolute fire. And I love this discussion and the explanation of of how organic the connection is to the community of brands. In the same way that you have the you know connection with the community of individuals that come to the table um, in a larger community for a larger purpose, um, I could go on forever. This is the first. I was going to say we're 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 going to have to this talk is, about
1: that Tommy Smith because no one's yes. talking about it, but we're going to need to talk. Well, some people are, but they're not talking about it at the level they should be talking about it. Yes, so we're going to talk about that.
0: All right, excellent. <laughs> we're going to have you back on. i want to create a whole uh, summer says so. It's going to be like summer says or something <laughs> like that. This is exceptional, and I'm so glad that we're connected. And that I get to share this conversation with my listeners, this and, and what's to come. I will drop a bunch of links in the show notes to help people become familiarized. One other thing I wanted that I thought about when you were speaking about when traditional or legacy brands come into the space, it helps to build in terms of adoption. And so it's not an either or, but a both and that's really going to take this to the next level and really be the true fulfillment of, I think, what we both envisioned when we came on the scene with a gangster lean. Um, But (laughs) let's do this. Tell folks how they can learn more about you, your work, and obviously the amazing Aku.
1: Aku is at Aku Dreams. Um, on Instagram, there's a dot in between. Uh, Aku and Dreams on Twitter it's just Aku Dreams. And also, please go to Aku.World um, to read more about our background, some of the press um, that'll explain the, more about Aku and, and, of course, our illustrious team. Um, and then for me, I'm Surgical Summer on Twitter and SummerWatson.V1 on Instagram.
0: Excellent. Don't fall for the fakes, people. I I, I <laughs> said at the top of this show and my lead-in that I I and some of you may or may not know, but I had to start a complete free masterclass on how to stay safe in this space too right so this idea of secure your crypto bag which will just help people to manage their wallets and manage their searching and the difference between hot and cold storage and you all are very proactive in your discord to try and give people a heads up i have a million and one instagram they get very creative but there is. It's often so awful. never do Please.
1: I mean, please. Please be safe. safe. It is. This right. is real stuff people have on the line. And I, I hate it. It breaks my heart when I see someone I know. who's, especially something like
0: this, that they're emotional about. Absolutely. So we will continue to keep people safe. I will drop that link in the show notes as well. Summer Watson, thank you so much. Um, this is, again, the first but not the last. And I will see you on the Twitters and, and then back on this microphone. And then when I come to the West Coast or you're the East or we're somewhere else in the world, before we got on, we were talking That's about right. some places and spaces. We're not going to tell the people what we were saying, but I'll meet <laughs> you there. I'll meet you there as well. Absolutely. All
1: right. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Wow, thank you so much, Summer, for spending some time with me and sharing your personal and professional journey with my amazing listeners in this episode. Now, Summer reminds us that behind every great project, there is a strong, dynamic woman, or at least there should be. Another important takeaway is that there is no wasted effort as imagination and innovation continue to propel us forward. And also that the best projects in Web3 and in life are inclusive on all sides, from creativity to concept to iteration and implementation. We all benefit from participants with a diversity of background, culture, experience, and point of view. So take your time, but don't take too long. The future is now, and it begins with you. One other bit of fantastic news that I would like to share with you is that Misha Da Vinci who is an author, she's a blogger, she has a newsletter this week with Misha Da Vinci to stay ahead of the future to master web3. To be at your best in the new economy. Her website is MishaDaVinci.com. I'll drop a link in the show notes. She also has a Web3 course and community that you can enroll in at MishaDaVinci.com. And on Sunday, over the holiday weekend in the States, she also released her top 20 podcast episodes of 2022. And Misha highlighted This podcast, Tech Intersect, in particular, my episode, episode 109, with Professor Michelle Neitz, educating regulators, lawmakers, and stakeholders about blockchain and social good. So I'm really excited to have made this list. There's some incredible pods out there, educating folks in the space, Decoder, which I've been on as well, with Nile Patel, who's at Reckless on Twitter, Bankless. NFT Now, Where It Happens on the Other Side, Proof, the Unchained podcast, which I've also been on with Laura Shin, and Laura Shin has been on my podcast as well, at episode 100. The list goes on and on, a really fantastic and diverse list of some of the best pods in the space. I'm very, very proud that Tech Intersect made the list as well, and I'm particularly proud of that episode that really focuses on the intersection of education, of those who sit in the position to regulate and legislate and contribute to this ecosystem, the emerging, evolving ecosystem that is Web3, of which obviously cryptographically secured assets and blockchains are a part. It's not all of Web3, but it's an important component, and I'm honored to have made this list and to continue to put out weekly episodes. Not the easiest thing in the world to do, folks, I assure you, but I am committed, and I love that you're along the ride with me and that we are rocking with Great folks in the space like Misha da Vinci. So Misha, thank you, I appreciate you. and let's continue to go and grow together. Okay? Before we sign off, please take a moment to like, comment and share this episode and this podcast with your networks. Follow me on social media and let me know what topics you'd like to hear more of and who you want to hear from. That's all for this episode. Until next time, continue to shine. Stay in touch with host Tanya Evans via your favorite social media on Twitter at at Tech Intersect and on Instagram via the handle Tech Intersect. This podcast has been produced by Stephanie Renee for Soul Sanctuary Incorporated.